Oh, Lord, you know that uh, we here, we have, we're a group of people with different political beliefs and persuasions, some uh, celebrating on Friday, perhaps some s protesting on Saturday, but Lord Jesus, we are here today with you. And Lord, we join our hearts together and we pray for this country that you will move us forward and Lord, let the light of Christ continue to shine in all the dark places. Lord, may, our, may all the churches be humble and caring to their communities. Lord, we, we join together in praying for our new President Trump, Vice President Pence. Lord, give them wisdom from above. Let them be ready to listen and to learn your ways. Learn from one another. And Lord, we pray that you will continue to, to guide this nation, that we may be humble and be a servant to those in need. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Well, do you recognize this picture? Well, it was about 10 years ago. Uh, a couple weeks ago, Trish and I rented and watched the movie Sully. Have any of you watched it? Good number of you. Good movie, right? I, I thought it was pretty cool. Uh, it's the one where the, the pilot, you know, lands this plane full of people down on the Hudson River. And then uh, you can see here they're all out on the, the raft boats and then standing on the wings waiting for the boats to come to, to rescue them. And if you watch the credits of the movie for a while, you get to see little footage of the real Sully and the survivors uh, from that plane, they, have, they get together every year for a reunion because they know that, that being rescued from the water in this water landing and rescue was a defining moment in their lives. And they'll never be the same. And that's how we Christians are. We know that we have been rescued and we will never be the same. The Bible tells us that once we belong to Jesus, we are no longer defined by our gender, our status, our race. I mean, those things are who we are, part of it, and, and they're important. But they do not define us. We are defined because we are saved. We are rescued by the Lord. Now, marketers try to define me by my demographic profile, right? White, male, middle-aged, middle-class. Straight, married, master's degree, homeowner, registered voter, likes to eat pizza. <laughs> That's my demographic profile right there. But those things do not define me. Here's who I am. Redeemed, renewed, reborn in Christ. That's who I am, redeemed, renewed, reborn in Christ. Now, some of you may look at me and say, well, who does he think he is? He's not so special. He doesn't, he doesn't look redeemed, renewed, and reborn. And I would say, oh, yeah, 
You're probably right. I mean, look at me. Uh, I, I, I'm a mess. I, I, I get impatient. I get discouraged. Sometimes I worry. I lack self-control. I act cowardly. I can be lazy and selfish. And, that, and it gets worse from there. But in spite of that, the fact remains, I am redeemed, renewed, and reborn. And the reason you have trouble seeing it in me is because God isn't finished with me yet. He's still working on me. I'm, I'm like a block of marble purchased by the master sculptor at great cost. I am his masterpiece in the making. And so are you. And that's our theme for today. So I'll, let's all say it together. I am God's masterpiece in the making. Uh, this is our series called Amazing. And it's all about grace. Now, what is grace? Uh, last couple Sundays, if you're here, I know we had some bad weather, so maybe some of you missed lately. But the last couple Sundays, I introduced a, a definition of grace. I'm going to tweak it just a little bit today. So I hope you'll write this down, take this home, talk about it in your group as well. Grace is being treated according to what I need, not what I deserve. Let's say that together, shall we? Grace is being treated according to what I need, not what I deserve. I know a lot of you are really familiar with John 3.16. If there's any Bible verse that you know by heart, it probably is this one. For God so loved the world, he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. That is grace, folks. God treats us according to what we need, not according to what we deserve. Now, Romans 6.23 is like the Apostle Paul's John 3.16. And it's our theme scripture for this series. Uh, I'll put that up on the screen and let's say that one together, shall we? For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So, some of you have been here the last two Sundays and here again today. You're starting to learn this one, right? You getting it by heart? So that's pretty short. Well, I'm going to help you today. I had this idea to really help you lock it in so you remember this verse. Okay? We're going to sing it. You're going to oh, no. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm going, it's going to be kind of a lead and response thing. So uh, uh, I'll start and then you do the echo. All right, we'll try it. For the wages of sin is death. For the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God, but the gift of God is eternal life, is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Now, here's what you have to do. On the last line, when I'm singing Lord, you got to be singing in at the same time to make it work. All right. In Christ Jesus our Lord. Two, three, four. All right, that's how you do it. <laughs> I, I'm not very good at this, can you tell? All right, here we go. Let's try it now. For the wages of sin is death. For the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God, gift of God is, eternal life. is eternal life. In Christ Jesus our Lord. For the wages of sin is death. For the wages of sin is death. 
But the gift of God, the gift of God is, eternal life is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. For the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. You got it, don't you? Yeah. That, song, that tune is going to be running around in your head all day. And that's a good thing. For the wages of sin is death. All right, here we go. Wages are what we deserve, right? We've earned it. And what we deserve is death. It's our fault, but God treats us according to what we need. Two weeks ago, we talked about prevenient grace. Uh, it's how God reaches out to us long before we ever think about reaching out to God. God reaches out first, and by prevenient grace, God gives us the ability to respond and the opportunity to respond. Last Sunday, we jumped into justifying grace, how God takes us sinners and moves us into the righteous column. We don't deserve it, but he does it for us anyway. It's a gift we receive by faith, and we compared it to being a, a receiver on a football team, and we, we look back, and the, the ball's being thrown our way. It's just coming right to us. All we have to do is open our arms and hang on. It's a gift we receive by faith. Now, if you missed either of those two uh, messages, I hope you'll watch them online. You can go to our website or our Faith Westwood app or our Facebook page, or you can listen by podcast or gra grab a CD, audio CD, uh, in the foyer uh, at the info table after the service. So today we're looking at the next phase of God's grace at work in our lives, sanctifying grace sanctify that's a churchy sounding word isn't it sanctify yeah now what in the world does that mean when the apostle paul writes to the sisters and brothers in corinth uh, here's the salutation of his letter and you say the words in yellow okay good and strong for me to the church of god in corinth to those in christ jesus and called to be his people. Um, now, a little Greek lesson here. Uh, sanctified and holy are the same word. Did you know that? They're the same word. One's an adjective and one's a verb, hagios and hagiazo, but when someone's sanctified, they become holy. And to be holy means that you are set apart for God. So, you could translate the verse this way. To the church of God in Corinth, to those set apart in Christ Jesus and called to be his set apart people. Notice that they're already sanctified. It's both a past action and a present reality. They were set apart and they are still set apart. And it comes with a calling. They're called to live out that holiness. Right? Uh, you know, to demonstrate that set-apartness. Now, I want you to know that being sanctified and being holy doesn't mean necessarily being perfect. 
I mean, when you read the rest of Paul's letter, this letter to the Corinthians, you find out, I mean, these people are, they're a mess. They got all kinds of trouble going on. Things are going bad and going wrong, but they are God's mess. And God wasn't finished with them yet. You see, sanctifying grace is God at work in you. You are God's masterpiece in the making. He's making you righteous, pure, courageous, faithful, compassionate. He's making you into deep, daring, daily disciples. You know, Methodists have, have been uh, emphasizing sanctifying grace since way back in the days of John Wesley. I mean, this is one of the, the standard beliefs and, and, and preaching things that, that we, we kind of hang our hat on this. We believe in, in God's sanctifying grace at work in our lives. Uh, in, the, in the letter to the Philippians, Paul says that, that God, who began a good work in you, will, will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. God has begun a good work in you, and he's not going to stop. He's going to keep, keep it going until the day Jesus calls you home or he comes back. Did you know that Michelangelo had some sculptures that, he, that never got finished? Here's, here's one of them. Look at this. The figure seems to be emerging from the rock. Or it kind of makes me think of, of someone who's been cursed to be encased in stone forever. <laughs> Now, now compare that to Michelangelo's masterpiece, David. 17 feet tall, carved from a single block of white marble. The legend is that the king asked Michelangelo how he knew what to carve away. And Michelangelo said, I, I simply carved away anything that wasn't David. Pretty good answer, huh? And that's what God does in you. He carves away every layer that isn't meant to be there. You are God's masterpiece in the making. So, what is this masterpiece going to look like? I think Jesus gave us the clearest picture, the clearest idea of what we're going to look like when he said, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. The masterpiece that God is making you to be is someone who loves God. And the more you love God, the more you're going to love others, and then the more you're going to live in a way that pleases God. When I, when I was in college, um, you know, I, I had come to Christ, had a pretty dramatic experience in high school, and so in college I really wanted to grow in my faith. And I went to a lot of campus Bible studies and a few prayer groups, and, and I had conversations with friends about faith, and I tried to live a life that honored God. And, but, but sometimes I would ask myself, do I really love God, though? Do I really love God? What, do you, what about you? Do you, do, you, what, do you feel like you love God? I mean, it was hard for me to say it at that point in my life, to say, I love God, because, I mean, how can I be sure? You know, I look back now, and I think, yeah, well, maybe the reason that I went to all those Bible studies and prayer groups and had conversations about faith and tried to live a life that was honoring to God was because I did love God, but I thought 
back then I thought that loving God meant that I had to have this certain feeling. And I didn't know if I felt it. One day, I, I was a senior in college. It was my last semester. It was in the spring. And something happened, and I got really mad. I mean, I don't even remember what it was about now, but I remember the experience. I came stomping and storming out of my fraternity house, and I was just fuming, and I was just so mad. I mean, there wasn't anybody else around me at the time, but I was there on the porch of the house, and I blurted out Jesus' name, and not in a way that was holy. And after that, I felt terrible. I felt like I had just stabbed a friend in the back and twisted the knife. I felt like Peter who had denied Jesus and then when Jesus looked at him, Peter wept bitterly. But oddly enough, that experience turned out to be encouraging. I realized that the reason that I felt so terrible is because I did love God. I did love Jesus. It hurts to hurt the one you love. It hurts to hurt someone you love. Sanctifying grace is God at work in you so you can love God and love others. And when that happens, there's a lot less room for sin in your life. Now, of course, sometimes you may feel stuck. You may feel like you're an unfinished sculpture that's just been abandoned. You know, the, the artist isn't coming back. You're not, nothing's happening. And you're not learning anything new about, about yourself or about God in any way that relates to your life. You, you routinely fall to those same temptations you were falling to uh, a year ago or 10 years ago. You're, you're just as hot-tempered. You're, you're just as prejudiced. You, you're just as materialistic. You, you have little empathy for people who face discrimination. You, you just never allow yourself to be stretched. And Jesus says, come, follow me. Well, you know what that means? When Jesus says, come, follow me, it means you can't stay where you are. Right? You can't stay there. He's saying, come. Let's go. Go with me. You've got to get going. And when, when you belong to Jesus, you are sanctified. You are set apart for God. God began a good work, and God is going to keep it going. One of my favorite scriptures is Romans 5.5. 5. Uh, it says this, God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. That's our source of sanctifying grace. Comes from God the Father to Jesus' people through the Holy Spirit. Now, I want to tell you something that's really big. This is the good news for today, folks. Through the Holy Spirit, love can become the dominant force in my life. And now what that scripture is pointing to, God's love gets poured into my heart through the Holy Spirit. It's an ongoing experience, not just all at once. Because the Bible says we're supposed to continually be filled with the Holy Spirit. 
Let the Spirit continue to flow and work in us. And through that ongoing experience over time, love can become the dominant force of your life. Okay, okay. My pastor just said something that I really don't get it. I really don't understand. But he's always saying stuff like that. No big deal. I'm sure I'm just, I'll, I'll just forget it later. And I, I want to say, wait, 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 wait. Hang in with me. Let's say this together. Through the Holy Spirit, love can become the dominant force in my life. Could that be true? Could it be true that the Holy Spirit, that through the Holy Spirit, love can become that dominant force? You can't make it, by, you can't make it happen by yourself. Of course, you have to cooperate with it. You have to receive it. But it's, it's a gift from the Spirit. About a year and a half ago, I got to see a couple of friends that I had not seen in nearly 20 years. They're a married couple. They're both United Methodist pastors in Missouri. Her dad, Bob, was also a pastor, and he was a big-time mentor in my life. When, back when I was in college and seminary especially, I cannot underestimate, I can't tell you how much... Uh, this, this person, Bob, had a role in my life, shaping who I am today. Well, Bob died a couple of years ago. And so it would, within that year when I got to talk to his daughter and son-in-law. So I was riding with them. Uh, they were in the front seat and I was sitting in the back seat of their car. And we talked about her dad. At one point, she turned toward me and said that her dad's example has helped her understand what sanctifying grace can really do. <laughs> and I had to agree. Love was definitely the dominant force in Bob's life. And sin had very little room to grow. And you know, I see it in people here. I see it in people here. I see people who are filled with the Holy Spirit. And by faith, over time, the love becomes the dominant force in their lives. And when the Holy Spirit reveals something to them that's unloving, unwise, or sinful, they listen. They learn. They ask God for the strength to help them let it go. I mean, that's the process of sanctifying grace. So, are you ready? Are you ready to let God's love be poured into your heart through the Holy Spirit? Do you desire to let love become the dominant force in your life? I'm not saying it's going to be easy. I mean, because there will be idols that will try to take the place of God in your life. Try to become your first love. There will be people in your life that you, will feel to you like they, they, it's impossible to love them. But you see, you have supernatural resources. And you can say, okay, Lord, huh? I need you now. Let the Holy Spirit flow in me right now because on my own, I, I can't do it. I don't have it. 
but I believe you can give me that love. That's a wild thing to, to consider, isn't it? That God can change you that much. That love can become the dominant force of your life. That's sanctifying grace. Throughout this series, we've been praying a prayer together uh, as a way of opening ourselves to that grace. Uh, And uh, we have cards for you to take home so you can pray this prayer every day. Uh, There are plenty more cards out at the info table in the foyer. And uh, on the back, it has scriptures that go... Uh, with each part of the prayer so you can kind of understand the prayer better as you, as you pray it. And uh, so I'm going to ask you to, to join with me and let's stand, shall we? Let's pray. Jesus, today I am lost without you, desperate for you, amazed by you, counting on you, mourning with you, Rejoicing in you, surrendered to you. Amen. Oh, Lord, um, you know that we're, we feel a lot of times like that, that unfinished sculpture. A little bit of the form is coming through, but a lot of it's really rough and unshaped. Lord, we need, we need your sanctifying grace at work in our lives. We need the power of the Holy Spirit to transform us. So, Lord, help us to be ready to receive that and to be eager for it. Sometimes, Lord, it seems that we're just content to be who we are, where we are, and no further, no more. But, Lord, you're the one who keeps calling us who wants to continue to do the good work you began. And so today, Lord, we're saying, okay, let it happen. Lord, show me how it works. Keep letting that that power and grace of the Holy Spirit flow in me and through me and back out to others. Lord, let me be that kind of person, Jesus, that you envision, someone who loves God with all my heart, soul, and mind and someone who loves my neighbor as myself. Oh, Lord, thank you for this promise, for this wonderful gift of grace. In Jesus' name, amen.